How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The Last Dance, which is the docuseries regarding Michael Jordan, is going to be released here in mid-April. And a guy that covered him for a long, long time and giving us the inside view and of uh, kind of Michael Jordan himself, uh, our good buddy Dan Bernstein from uh, 670 The Score down in Chicago. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Good, Bill. How are you hanging in there? We're hanging in there. We're all kind of doing our thing and staying at home and staying safe and trying to entertain the best we can. And, and one of the most fascinating characters in sports, and I say character because not only was he a great athlete, there was a lot of nuances to him, was Michael Jordan. And when I say Michael Jordan to you, and I've listened to your program for years, there's many different stories you have regarding him. If I had to say, kind of put it in a capsule, what, what do you think of when Mike, the words Michael Jordan come to mind? I remember covering an absolutely pathological competitor. Everything about him, the, the athlete that I knew, has to be seen through a prism of his desire to conquer what's in front of him and to humiliate his opponents, to, to, to snatch their souls from them. And everything that, that informed the way he went about his business with his teammates, with his coaches, everything that he did was was to dominate and destroy whatever was in front of him to to prove his his alpha status. And I don't think I've ever been around somebody who was that much of a of a shark just needing to keep moving and to keep winning in order to survive. I, uh, I've always looked at Michael Jordan, and I, it can be debated as whether or not he is or isn't the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. In As far as a human being goes, and just what you describe, do you think that left him as a lonely human being? I think it has to, no matter how much you're trying to have other meaningful connections in your life, because it, it's hard to be both things. Now, I was first around... Michael in my, my senior year of high school in 1986-87 when he was just sort of getting started with the Bulls was third year in and he filmed a commercial for the McDonald's All-American game in the gym at Deerfield High School and I sort of let everybody, I kind of wormed my way in I said I'm copy editor of the yearbook and I get to talk to Michael Jordan and that guy that I talked to that day, that down-to-earth southern kid drinking his uh, Lipton sweet iced tea. That was before the Gatorade deal. And he, that was sort of a, a, a different guy than the guy in 1998, than what he had become, what he had developed into 
realizing the the full extent of his of his athletic powers. And I got to see him at different times along the way. And truth be told, the the Michael Jordan that we're seeing now in his mid fifties reminds me a lot more of, of the kid in that, that that look in his eye, that 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 look of at any moment just looking like he was gonna kill you is uh, has softened a little bit. What, uh, you know, there's many defining moments in, in his career, obviously winning his first title, the death of his father, playing baseball. How much do you think the fact that baseball didn't come as easily to him as, as maybe he thought it would, was that a humiliating moment or a humble moment? Or what, what do you think the experience coming out of baseball back into basketball was for him? Basketball has always been his his safe place. That's that's his game. I mean, golf frustrated him, but golf I think really was more of a of an opportunity for him to gamble. Golf was dominate the opponent, win the bet, keep playing until you beat the person against whom you're playing. It wasn't so much him against the course. I think what really bothered him with baseball. Remember, he held a grudge against Sports Illustrated his entire life because of the cover that they ran that said Baggett Michael or something to that effect, where, they, where he felt that they were making fun of him. I don't know that he felt humiliated by it. I do certainly think that he gained an awful lot of respect for the very specific athleticism and hand-eye coordination demanded of baseball. But I know that that, that SI cover was, was a defining point for him where he had them did some, some people on the pay-no-mind list there for a long, long time. Um, the other question regarding Michael now, we all know that uh, you know the death of his father impacted him, but did he become a different person and a different player after the death of his father? Different player? I don't think so. I think that to ascribe any other kind of, of motivation or anything else, I think it would be presumptuous of me to, to make any of those assumptions. I, I, I think he changed as a player over time as the game changed around him, as some of the rules changed. And when he came back from baseball, remember, he, it took him a while to get his, his basketball shape, get his legs under him, as he likes to say. And then his, his upper body changed. He became a much more powerful athlete and a much stronger guy. Knowing, uh, knowing the kind of beating that he was going to take, learning what defenses were doing to him back when you could play that physical brand of defense. So I, when I see a picture of him, it's much more I understand where his game was based on how he looked physically. Because that's how he prepared for a season, knowing what he would actually have to do and how his game would have to change each year. Talking with Dan Bernstein from 670 The Score down in Chicago. They're getting ready to release ESPN and Netflix, a docu-series regarding Michael Jordan, and Dan covered Michael Jordan uh, and those 90 Bulls. Um, how impressive, I mean, for what we see today, we talk about legends and we talk about LeBron being the best, and then obviously Kobe's passing brought back a lot of memories of Kobe and how dominant he was. But when you talk about the dominance of one particular player, you had gotten into the perseverance of Michael's personality when it comes to winning and wanting to destroy you. How dominant were those Bulls teams then? Oh, they would toy with opponents. You're, you're talking about you know, the 72-win team that they would sleepwalk through the first half of games and then just turn it up in, in the third quarter and take away any hope a team had. You know, Phil used to joke, some of those teams, 
it would, would get down and you know, trail double digits in the first quarter and Phil would always smirk after the game and say, oh, when you trail big early, it just gives you more time to come back. And they, they could very easily budget their energy during a regular season and make sure they had what they needed to have come playoff time. But look, the truth is, after the fact, we think about them dominating the, the playoffs. There were a lot of slow offensive stretches. There was a lot of rough, ugly basketball. There were games where Jordan couldn't make a shot. He'd still end up scoring 26 points. But, you know, I had shooting 30-some percent in some of these games. There was some rough and tumble, pretty ugly basketball that was played a lot, especially with good coaching in the playoffs. When, when some of the games with Seattle and George Carl, when everybody's arguing over who's playing illegal defense and who's not, it wasn't, it wasn't always pretty. I mean, the basketball of today is much more aesthetically pleasing than the basketball those Bulls teams play. Hey, uh, Dan, before I, I let you go, so when we talk about Michael Jordan and his legacy and you start to kind of wrap up his entire career, college basketball, where he came from, obviously you talk about the Wizards, then you talk about him being a general manager and part owner and such. Um, where is his legacy? What what is what the I mean the game itself defines him in so many ways. But do you look at his post playing career as somewhat of a failure or just an extension of what he did on the court? I mean, how do you kind of sum him all up? Probably still ongoing would be the honest answer to that. But he will be remembered as a player. And the Wizards thing was a disaster. It was uh, it, it was it was ugly from the start and, and doomed to fail. And really, just kind of a a, a a grim exercise in hanging on to the bitter end as far as his body would allow. But that's only because that that's how fighters go out. He he went out like a boxer. He went out saying, "I still got it. I still got it. I got one more in me. I got one more in me." And and that's unfortunately how a lot of our greatest athletes go out. But I don't think he'll be remembered as, as as an owner. I mean, that'll obviously be part of the bio, but he will be remembered as a Chicago Bull and as a guy who, at the time he played and when he finished playing with the Bulls, was by most accounts unquestionably the best who had ever played. Yeah, I, I would consider him to be the best player, and I, I look at his career as a whole, and I'd still, I, I'm kind of blessed, I guess, to, and we are, to have grown up and, and gone through our career and watched that unfold before our very eyes, because everybody's got some point in their career, some point in their life where they say, hey, I had a chance to watch this particular person play, whether it was Willie Mays over the years of Roberto Clemente, and then you go through the years, and then you get to Michael Jordan, and we had a chance to watch him. Dan, stay safe down there. You guys are doing a great job. I appreciate the insight. And thanks for joining us on such short notice, okay? Of course, Bill. Thank you and good health. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Dan Bernstein from uh, 670 The Score down in Chicago. He has covered Michael Jordan. But what is going to happen, ESPN Films and Netflix has announced that they're teaming up for a 10-hour documentary series called The Last Dance. It's chronicling, quote, one of the greatest icons and most successful dynasties in sports history, Michael Jordan and the 1990s Chicago Bulls, with more than 500 hours of never-before-seen footage. And they're going to release this coming up here. They've pushed up the release date because we're all sitting at home right now. And uh, we know that we're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So they pushed up the release date for this to the middle of April. 
And uh, this is going to be released, like I said, on Netflix in, accord- in conjunction with ESPN Films. And it has been much anticipated, much awaited for The Last Dance. And uh, really, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I'm looking forward to more of the behind-the-scenes stuff, probably more than anything, and all the stuff that we have not been privy to in the past. You've heard the stories. You've heard the rumors. You've heard a lot of different things. This is supposedly going deeper than any docuseries or documentary has gone before. So uh, looking forward to the release of that. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.